0: Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo.
1: Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. I'm your host, Phil Llewellyn. Thank you for joining us for season five, where we discuss all things coaching. Slight tweak this week where I follow up on the preseason webinar from a couple of weeks ago and discuss how how pre-season has been shaping up for some clubs. This week I'm joined by King of Bristol and guest of one of Magic Academy's top five most listened to episodes. So I'm hoping this one will go through the roof. Uh, Dan Cox. Coxie, great to have you along. Thank you for joining us. Wow, what an introduction.
0: <laughs> I think I think I've actually slipped out of the top five now because a few reasons. The the guests are really strong. And also I've stopped downloading the episode every 30 seconds at home. So it was time to, it was time to quit. Um,
1: but yeah, I think like Scott Robertson might have beat me in fair play. I, I, I'll send him some beers. Yeah, I mean, if it's Scott and Eddie, it's pretty, you're in with pretty <laughs> good company, mate, to be fair. So awesome. Um, do you want to just tell listeners who you are, what you do, a uh, little bit of your background, other class?
0: Yeah. So uh, I'm currently a uh, lecturer in sports coaching at Well, I guess SGS College, which has now been um, the university section, has been renamed University Centre Wise in Bristol. Um, I'm also the head coach of Somerset and Old Red Cliffians down in Bristol. Um, I've been coaching coming up for 12 years. So now I'm in a nice position, I guess, where I'm combining my coaching time and my lecturing time and, and developing coaches and people alongside rugby players as
1: well, which is... Yeah, nice, enjoyable, for the most part, anyway. (laughs) That's a great role. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I guess this is just a a bit of a a kind of chat generally about how you found pre-season, like what's it looked like for you guys post-COVID, all that type of stuff. So kind of first question, like how have you gone about, or yeah, no, maybe actually let's just update, what did you kind of guys do at the end of like last season, like inverted commas, because it wasn't really a season. How, How have you kind of got to the point, you're at now?
0: Yeah, so we, we were a bit torn, really, what to do at the end of the season. Obviously, we had that strange period where everything kind of got okayed again, the return to rugby roadmap come out, which I thought was, was really well designed. Um, and it, I, I guess it just got left up to clubs as to how they approach it and what the best fit is. Um, there were some in the club, I think, that, that wanted to push on and get some contact games in, but for the most part, the lads felt they just they just wanted to have kind of six weeks of um, six weeks of, of different types of games and and touch and we've done some things like we had an inter club we had an in house sorry club tournament um, on a Saturday a few beers and burgers after and things like that and we've done some sort of mini tournaments on the Tuesdays and Thursdays and for the most part you know I think the last week dropped off but for the most part we've had anywhere between 78 in the first week down to about 40 in, in the final week. So, you know, really, really big numbers in engagement. Um, that 78 on the, in the first week was not what we were expecting, but um, a real mix of kind of club vets that had hadn't have no intention of playing again, but, you know, COVID had kind of really kicked their ass and, and they wanted to get out of the house and they just wanted to get active. And they, they knew we'd advertise what we were doing and it would be inclusive. Um, you know, people had brought up their sisters that, that play for, for clubs with female teams elsewhere. Um, a mix of kind of third, second team, first team. And and it was brilliant. It was really, really good to see. I guess the challenge was we've only kind of got three or four coaches, um, which is is quite a lot if you're coaching 30 players, I guess. But for 78, maybe not so much. So... Um, yeah, I became a bit like the fat controller in the middle with the with the whistle, <laughs> just just blowing it every ten every ten minutes. I don't I don't think I was coaching. Well, I know I wasn't coaching, but you know we were facilitating something that was was pretty positive. And um, yeah, I mean we, we didn't do any contact at all. Um, some of the lads that some of the lads that chose to play sevens in the summer they started to do kind of a a little bit in their own time. Uh, which was kind of aided by our medical and s but yeah we we just had some real good fun really and you know it's was, it was well received it was well received and we kind of treated it like the not a write-off because we got some really good stuff out of it and the stuff we we got from it was was implicit we didn't really you know the players didn't always know what we were up to but we'd be embedding kind of some principles in those games that were you know, were definitely some key principles of play for us, and 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 well, everyone
1: that touches I guess. I love that. As just, I think, yeah, as you say, just a, a good use of that opportunity and time. So, do you, do you think cotton like the non-contact bit has made a difference? I, as I'm, I've got a thought in my head that. Yes, number one, like for 18 months, no one had been able to do really anything other than like go and run by themselves. So there's there was maybe always going to be a lot of people that wanted some kind of social connection activity. Yeah. But it does seem like just non-contact games with more numbers rather than just like O2 touch or touch for the sake of touch but kind of just slightly more rugby but without feeling like shit the next day almost like that seems to have drawn quite a few people out of the woodwork so do you think like is that your experience with those guys like what's what's the plan to maybe keep that moving forward
0: I think so and I I guess it depends what the the year looked like for clubs right so you could do, I think when we came out of lockdown two, maybe lockdown one, you could do contact, couldn't you, in, in small groups. Now, if clubs chose to do that and done that well, you know, some players may have had a steady stream of contact, or let's not call it a steady stream, but a sporadic stream of contact through the 18 months. We didn't. Okay. So for us, we finished in March 16th, 2020. By the time we came back in that point, it'd been it'd been over a year since anyone had done any any sort of contact. It just didn't seem feasible for us then to go let's try and get a game at the end of the year. Now, what other coaches have, have done for their own clubs, they can only make a decision based on on what they've done throughout the year. But for me, it drew people out the woodwork. We still played 15 on 15 touch games with conditioned rucks, you know, so it wasn't just 15 men on feet through the legs. It it looked like the game without the contact element and the scrum element, I guess, if that looks like the game. Yes, Um, and and yeah for for us like we we had a really inclusive a really inclusive environment it was positive and it 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 contributed to some of the off-field stuff definitely um, bar revenue which you know I don't don't think enough coaches probably speak about when they come on podcasts but getting people in the bar and, and and buying drinks and buying food is is key to survival isn't it and I know some clubs at the moment will need that more than more than ever so for us, that that was huge, it really was. Um, and you know, we've, I can't really comment on what we've got now, but we've had, I think we've got two injuries. We've just played four games, uh, a, a range of first team down to 13 games. I think we've got like four injuries across them. Now, might be luck, possibly, but also might be to do with the fact that we've, we've kind of have returned to contact gradually i don't know I mean I haven't got any statistics about that, but there are definitely some positives from not doing contact
1: yeah fair. what um, what's that look like? I guess I might touch on like the plan for the social stuff and how you've built that a little bit later but what what's your process look like in terms of planning for that return to contact piece like how have you actually gone about that as a coach with your other coaches or you know in your own mind like how how do you kind of put that stuff down on paper where did that come from what taught me through that yeah so
0: it's i mean it, we've probably done more planning over the last 14 months than we've than we've ever done and as you know loads of those plans have been screwed up and chucked in the bin because <laughs> the government has changed his mind or, or COVID's outbreak but um yeah we kind of really periodized it so we we broke it down we thought about well what's the intention here like what are our, our kind of big rocks as we approach the season. Now, I won't, I won't give them all away, but one of ours was a safe return to contact. Okay. And that's a, safe, that's a safe return and a gradual return. So we consulted some people in, um, in like Prem Clubs, so we spoke to some people at Bristol, um, spoke to my partner, who, who's um, a sports therapist, spoke to our medical, so just got loads of different opinions really on, on kind of what that looks like. Um, and then, as a, as a coaching team, just really started at the bottom. Now, I'm not one really for tackle pads and things like that. But if there was ever a time for them, I guess the the return to play after not hitting a body for that long, it, it was probably it. So we gra- we eased in. We started off with just some contact based stuff, some, some wrestling, um, some getting used to getting up and off the floor, and and things like that we done a, built a lot of stuff into our warm up so we've started doing a lot of neck strengthening stuff and in the, in the preparation so that would be that's in our warm up that our players do um kind of fits in with the um is it the prevent or activate stuff i think from the university of bath so just took some bits and bobs like that and then just really built it up so it's one on one and then 2v2 and i mean it's only the last week or so that We've, I mean, two weeks probably because we've had games that we've been full bore. And I'm, I think like the times, times have changed, haven't they? Because I can remember turning up to rugby session, well, not so long ago, maybe, maybe eight years ago. You're thinking Tuesday night, I've got an hour and 30 minutes of contact here in a, in a relatively small space. Whereas now like ev- everything was increasing load, increasing bodies, and then increasing time. So it started off like we just had five minutes, you know, I think now we're up to like maybe 15, 15, 20 minutes of contact in a, in a 90 minute session. And that said, that seems to be enough for us. It's, it's intense when it needs to be intense. And it, it, I don't think you just need to flog it consistently.
1: That that was actually going to be my follow-up. So I know Harlequins are kind of making waves for how they play first and foremost, but there's quite a big thing in terms of them just saying they're not, I think they've dropped it down to either like zero contact or like 12 minutes in the week, which for a professional club is a pretty, pretty tiny percentage of their week, isn't it? So, do you, yeah, do you think for the wider game, like are, p- are more people going to take notice of that, or what's the potential knock-on effect? Because I, I do wonder. Like everyone's got a habit of wanting to follow what the pros do, and that's probably one of the times I'd be like, "Yeah, this isn't a bad a bad opportunity to do that." I think that exactly that sharing's caring, isn't it? It'd be great. It'd be great if
0: um, these people shared what they were doing. I, I think Quinn's have put out some videos, haven't they? Which is nice to see. I think. I'm always conscious and I know you mean me, have, you and me have had this conversation before, but when these videos come out, I want to know the purpose and the intention. And I think that's the bit that really helps coaches. Like, you know, we we've all seen great stuff on Twitter and, and bad stuff, but understanding why they've used it is the, is the part that's going to help the coach I think to develop, you know, does this fit in my context? If, if yes, use it. If not, don't if using it I I would suggest you need to adapt it to your players and and so on but yeah I think it's great and I think what we'll probably get in the next few years as well is some is some pretty chunky science sets and data sets won't we along actually what the return to play after Covid has looked like and 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 if it really has changed the game um but but for us less is less, less has certainly been more and I guess the only thing that you're fighting constantly is is players are excited, aren't they? And they've come out of COVID and, you know, you tell them, well, let's just maybe put a suit on for this. They they want to kill each other, but it's great. Like the the excitement post-COVID this time, this time round feels incredible because, you know, we're playing, I think the season's two weeks away, isn't it? And I think for the first time, players are are less sceptical that actually, they. are we're going to do this now. <laughs> like all the all the false storms have, have kind of stopped. But yeah, it's for us less has certainly been more. Definitely.
1: How how does less is more look? As I guess the biggest difference. And that's not saying you you can't ever coach the professionals to be better, but they're obviously way further down that pathway. So, what does less is more look like for a player that needs to improve their tackling? or their ruck skills or something like that? Because I guess maybe that's the bit that doesn't get touched on. I think where lots of people would be saying do less contact in the week, but we're at that level where we're kind of going like they're not already very good at it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? There's going to be, there's, a, there's such a diverse range of abilities in our playing groups. What, what yeah. kind of like top tips or advice have you got for anybody that's kind of struggling with, yeah, we don't want to batter people and injure them, but I still need to find a way to make them better at some of the contact-based elements. Like, How does that look for you guys?
0: Yeah, I think like for us, the, the big thing is, I've, I've, as we've just mentioned, we've got a lot of players training. We haven't got loads of coaches. We've got a lot of players training. And those players range from players that have played National League down to players that are playing uh, Level 9. Okay, so the, the, the gap is huge. And I'm, I think most people that listen to these things at their club will have some sort of gap, won't they? So the biggest thing for me is, is understanding who who have got, what their needs are. It is it, quite important. Because we've got, we do something at the moment around players' individual development, and they get feedback. They understand where they need to develop, and they'll have some some smaller stuff that they can do before the session. Where, like me and Jack Gadd, who's assistant coach, he will be available and will be kind of around. But players are kind of taking some responsibility and going away and developing stuff. But the way we the way we tend to do it in the session. Um, is like the early part of the session is is carousel based. So they get a bit of everything, you know, they might have three carats, say three stations. Um, One of those station might be a game. Okay. A game working on, um, I don't know, let's, let's call it, let's say scanning. One of them, then might be a um, a station looking at some more isolated uh, tackle practice. And one of them might be looking at the breakdown. Now, I'll probably be the scourge of Twitter for saying isolated practice, but um, <laughs> like, again, for, for me, it, it's about some players need more chaos at, at, at some times and some need less, right? So I would still make sure that every practice in that carousel had variability, like, like we've spoke about. You, you, you can't coach def- uh, defence unopposed... <laughs> Like it doesn't work. So there needs to be variability, there needs to be um, there needs to be kind of a dial of chaos to no chaos, I would suggest. And and you'll know by knowing your players when to dial up, when to dial down. Um, but just like, yeah, designing practices that kind of are are thoughtful and, and have the player at the center. And I guess coaches will know their players better than than anyone. It might be that someone, someone needs more. Someone needs, you know, more work on the, the breakdown than they do on the, the other stuff. So, you know, they might stay for a little bit longer in that in that breakout or whatever. But yeah, I think for us, certainly having kind of 45 players to manage on any given night, that, that's work for us. And it's there's there's a nice win in the fact that they've got good variety in the in the practice. They're working on a range of different things a range of different sort of chaos levels, and but also. You know we're managing the amount of players with the limited coaches we've got, which I know, again, most people that most people that are coaching in a grassroots level will,
1: will be dealing with. Do you um do you differentiate within those groups? So would would you kind of put certain ability groups together so they're they're a little bit more on par rather than let's say your best player working with your worst player because. I, again, I think this is always a little bit of a quandary for coaches. I'd have probably avoided doing that for a number of years because it's like you don't want to create separations within the group. But then the more I kind of learn about better coaching and differentiation within coaching and challenging those individuals, the more I kind of go like I, I have to do this. But if I only do it for one thing, it probably creates separation. If I, give, if I do it for lots of things – I'm going to give lots of different people an opportunity to be in a different group or a different point. Do you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. you might be in the top tackling group, I might be in the worst one, but when it comes to the passing group, it might be the opposite. So, it, it kind of just gives you that opportunity, maybe as a squad, to recognise where some strengths and work ons are for everybody without without separation. But I'd, I'd be interested if if you guys do something similar or not.
0: Yeah, so, so something similar, really. We, you know, what we tend to would have it tends to have is. Um, kind of first team group working together. And then like we we've got guys that have turned up this year that have not played the game before. So putting them with someone that's played a hundred times in National Two, that, that's not gonna, that's not gonna help them if it's you know, if it's full contact tackling. I mean they they don't know what the tackle looks like. So yeah, we we we've, we've had that. But then like you said, there will be areas of our practice that will be completely mixed. So we'll then go into some you know, from that carousel, we'll go into some small-sided games where everyone will be working together. And what we've what we've had quite a lot of is, is kind of really good peer peer feedback and coaching. Um, for instance, if I'm taking a group of a group of twelve, okay, and those people are working in threes or fours. When I'm not at the group, I can hear lots of good, really good conversation behind me around different things, and I think that's the benefit of them mixing, isn't it as well? Like if you've got someone that's played a hundred first, a hundred national two games, speaking to someone about that's never played the game before around what this looks like, how they could improve that. Okay, um, I, I think that's a that's a good thing as well. So I think, yeah, like a healthy balance, really. I, I'm I'm keen, always keen to not just go. You're the first team. You're the third team. You train over there. We train over here. Because actually, yeah, you're right. That doesn't do anything for. That doesn't improve the club as a whole. Um. So, yeah, well, I think we've been good at that and, and just trying to trying to balance it, definitely.
1: Do, do you prep that co-coaching with some of the players or do they, do they just naturally take that on? Because it's one of those, again, you kind of, kind of are they <laughs> the same messages? Are they using the same terminology? Like, is it good for them? to understand something better, to be able to explain it to somebody else. Like there's, there's, I think there's lots of nuances within that, but it's also kind of, you can yeah. just go, great, they'll do that naturally and I don't need to worry. Or do you kind of prime that with them around, this is how you're going to help me out type thing?
0: Yeah, so a bit of both, really, if I'm honest. There's some in the group that are, are just really good, really good kind of caring people developers that will naturally take someone aside and, uh, and talk to them. We're really lucky in the group that we've got uh, I guess this is a this is going to be a theme going forward because there's so many people coaching now, and so many people graduating with sports degrees in different fields that we've actually got quite a lot of coaches or SNC coaches or medical uh, uh, medical practitioners within the group. So <clears throat> we've got a really good mix of qualifications in there as well. So you know we, we might have SNC someone who's qualified SNC talking to someone about how they can improve different areas and and off-field and things like that. We've got different sports coaches in there that are talking about <clears throat> how bits and bobs might work, which is, is really good. But we also do have a group of players that are like you know, the leadership group, I guess, um, that have been that have been nominated. And it's pretty fluid and and we speak to them a lot and people come in and out of the group, but it's they'll get they'll get messages around different things like that. We're going to look at this today. I, I would like you to Make sure that you're watching this. And I think you could really add some value in this, let's say on a defense, I think you, you know, you really add value in this area. Therefore, can you can you maybe watch one or two players? And, and we've had good success in that as well. Um I, I guess tough, isn't it? Cause ultimately players, they're training to try and to try and make themselves better, aren't they? And the nature of it is that they want to, they want to move, they want to be placed as high at the club as possible. So you know, some of them are like, well, I will do that, but I'm to look after me first. But yeah, we, we do prime them a little bit. And we've got, we've got quite good clarity at the moment around our game model, which is we've essentially taken the principles of play, the RFU principles of play, and we've redesigned them in our, in our terminology. And then so like go forward, for instance, within that, there will be some little bits of terminology, our language, if you like. So if I'm saying something as a coach, we're all joined up on what that means. That means the players that, that are kind of giving messages are also giving those same players. The guys that are coaching the third team are giving the same, the same messages. So on a Tuesday and Thursday, yeah, we've kind of got our own little, our own little language, I guess, that, that represents what, what we want to do as a club. And that's been something that we've, we've developed over a 15-month period. And it's ongoing. It's, you know, it's, it's again, really fluid.
1: I love that, and I th- yeah, I often wonder if people think game model means just something a bit different. Again, it, you kind of you get into this whole structure debate and all those types of things, and you kind of just go, "Well, actually, as long as as long as everyone knows what you mean when you say stuff, does it does it really make too much difference beyond that?" I'm not, I'm not convinced. So, yeah, interesting. How um, how much do you share with the players in terms of the session plans and the the detail behind that? I, we, we talked a little bit about this before the before the recording started. But I, I again I find it a fascinating kind of point of like how much I use the wizard of Oz analogy quite a lot. Like how much do you show them behind the curtain? Because the wizard is all seeing, all dancing until you realise this some levers and some pedals and some other stuff. So did does, does yeah, exactly. the illusion yeah. if you share too much, like where where do you come down on that debate?
0: Yeah, I think it's really different. So they're a really different club to... I was at Avonmouth before this. And but there, wasn't, there wasn't an interest in, in that stuff, at Avonmouth particularly. They just wanted to turn up and, and, and train. And they were very happy, I think, for the most part, in what, in what they were being asked to do. Um, and if they were also very, very clear in what they didn't like. So if they didn't like something, they would tell you. And it made it very easy. Um, whereas these guys... Think because a lot of them have, have maybe played at that higher level i'm constantly getting asked around what's the intention of this okay what are we what, what are we looking to do when we're doing this um so I've, I've shared far more um i send on a monday i send out kind of the session the, the session plan and timings that they they quite like the timings element they want to know <laughs> where they're going at what point and yeah i mean again it's it's pretty fluid like other than the warm up starts at eighteen forty five and we've got like a a warm up that the players deliver that they they get on with and then af- after that it's you know anything anything could happen type thing but um yeah we do we do share a lot um all of we use coach logic, which is a,
1: am i allowed to get, am i allowed to plug them on here <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not the BBC. I mean, other platforms are available, but no, Coach Logic is a class. Um, yeah, so Coach really cool.
0: Logic's been class for us as a sharing platform, and we, we have used others before. We, you know, they used Huddle before that as well, and had, had good success. So, but we, we're loving it. Um, we we film bits of the session, we chat them on. Um, we we'll put some put some questions like, what we're we seeing here, what are we feeling at this point. Um, But we also, we've also put like a a game model stuff on, you know, we've got some moves and things that we use and and it's all on there. And every player, whether they're in the third team, the second team, first team, they've got a login. If they want to log in, that is, Uh, they can go on, they can look, they can collaborate, they can talk. Um, So yeah, we're we're really enjoying that. We share quite a lot to be fair. I think maybe I've shared too much at times. Um, And now we're going through a period where I'm sharing less, my intentions are deliberately hidden and I'm, I'm trying to get them to, to work the problems out in the games. Um, we had like a, a frustrating one last night where I didn't, I didn't think, I think that it was too chaotic maybe, but um, after there was a, what are we trying to achieve there? When we spoke about it, I think actually they were, okay, that makes sense. So I don't know, maybe I, maybe I should have shared more there, but um, I do think that there's, you know, there has to be a problem-solving element as well, isn't there, and an accountability element where,
1: you know, if we give them everything, what are they doing? I guess. Yeah, it's it's funny when you share. i I did some feedback with the Oxford team this year, and um, as I I always send the plan out with the timings and everything else, and and I they they I think they do really like it. Like the ones that want to know then get to know exactly what's coming and various things. And some of the feedback was, yeah, you probably could, you know, they're quite deliberate timings. Maybe we just need to have a bit longer on stuff. And I'm like, okay, a complete, from your perception, which is your reality, that's absolutely fine. And I'll listen to that in my head. I'm going, hmm, if you actually saw the reality of what the plan says for timings and what we do, like they're never the same, absolutely never the same. It's probably like, at least 5 or 6 minutes if not 20 minutes out most sessions but because they just see the plan and they they haven't got a stopwatch on when they're in training the reality compared to the plan is just is completely different and I, it was just a really really interesting bit of feedback i'm like yeah i probably need to do like a follow up plan where i actually time how long we did do stuff for so you can see that we aren't doing four minutes on this it's ended up being 22 minutes like because we just didn't get it but um the other one that made me laugh on that was um, they said they hated seeing fitness written down on the plan. <laughs> so I'm like, well, uh, what, what do you want me to do about that? So I think for one of the sessions, I called it chocolate tasting and puppy playtime. And then they turn up to the session and they were genuinely like, Bill, where's where's the chocolate and dogs? And I'm like, oh yeah, no, you, you really didn't get this, did you? Like that's fitness. They're like, oh well, this isn't fun for <laughs> the baseline. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I can lie, but it, it's still going to be fitness. Like it doesn't go anywhere. I don't know what you want me to do, but yeah, you I know. Think, like, there's a lot.
0: I mean, there's a lot we've spoke about this before. There's a lot to be said for you know previous experiences and understanding where your your players have come from, isn't there? That that forward, backward, and forward audit. Like we're. I think, as coaches, we're always thinking, not always, but like a lot of people I guess are guilty, me included of thinking about the future too much, but actually understanding where they came from and, and what they've got going on currently is probably the important bit to getting to where you need to go so okay i've got I've got a player that doesn't like i mean this is completely um this made up, I guess. But I've got a player say that that doesn't like games. He's explicitly saying I don't like games, That you know, I, I want to be structure and drills. Okay, well, it's not for me, I guess, to just say to poo-poo his ideas, but let's try and understand what it is, what it is he likes about the the drills and the unopposed play and why and and where that came from. And actually then, yeah, maybe we need to share more with that player around. Why are we playing games what what's the what's the meaning behind them? like what is my intention behind you know manipulating these these constraints within the game? Um, so you might have someone that needs loans and you might have someone that is like, "I just love this i'm just gonna I'm just gonna get on with it um so yeah I guess, I guess again it, it comes from knowing where people have come from
1: previously. I, I, I think you've nailed that. I think you put that really, really nicely. And the other bit I wonder is if, I do just wonder if as coaches, we get caught up in the the debates a bit too much. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the Twitter thing, the skill act thing. Do any of the players really care? Like, I, I like they know what they like and a hundred percent, that's absolutely fine. But there'll, I guess there'll be people that it's new. So they automatically don't like it because it's new because it's a change and not everyone's that comfortable with change, but I, I don't know if actually we we make a bigger deal of some of that type of stuff in our own heads because it's the world we inhabit. Whereas a player is just like, I've been on the building site all day. I just come to rugby because I want to see my mates and get drunk and smash some people. Like, does, does training really matter that much to me in terms of your intentions as a coach and your plans? And it's kind of like, well, yeah, maybe maybe I'm not as important as I think. and <laughs> My ego takes a bit of a hit and it's like, ah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> like, good Good reality check.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think for coaches, I mean, I'd go as far to say for us, intention is everything, right? No, nothing, no matter no matter what kind of what paradigm you sit on, it, it, without intention, it, it doesn't really matter, does it? So understanding what we're trying to achieve is the most important thing. Yeah, like you said, like some players want to know that, some players don't. Sometimes I, sometimes I tell, sometimes it's quite implicit. I think, again, like a, a balance is key, but... Again, if there is that person that you know benefits from from really knowing and is able to square away those thoughts in his head and understand, then, then yeah, let's share.
1: I'm in class. Um, I'm conscious of your time already, but um, we'll just t- kind of jump back to that social piece, like social connection. How how do you go about planning that kind of that element within the stuff you do? as a club you as a coaching team across the squads like are you just relying on the fact that the players are mates and they just crack on or is there an actual is there a lot of thought that goes in behind that because again it's, it's probably one of these things that I wonder if lots of people just overlook a little bit they kind of go oh, rugby club social that'll be fine but you guys are obviously smashing that with the numbers you've got and the the uptake of the social thing so how how have you kind of created that or, or managed that? Um, well, I would love to take credit for it
0: really, but we've got, I mean, our captain is brilliant. Uh, the director of rugby is, is fantastic as well. And then we've got an, a social committee and they're all, they've all people that put their hand up and said, I really want to do this and help take things forward. Um, but I, I think for me, I just, I just kind of, I, I'm almost led by them a little bit. And actually we got to a point last week where we've trained for, for, six or seven weeks now and we've played a couple of games so we had Tuesday night off and one of the boys booked to go to a restaurant in Bristol and 35 of us went to a restaurant in Bristol and it was brilliant you know we we got loads out of it we got absolutely loads out of it and it, we had some really good just conversation non-rugby related and rugby related um and I just think that's so important I think I always hear oh it wasn't like this in my day you just finished playing and you just got in the bar and had a pint. But rugby's changed, hasn't it? And and sport has changed and society has changed. So it's a redundant conversation. Yeah. It was like that when I started playing 12 years ago as well. And I'm still a really big fan of going to the rugby club and having a pint. But some young people don't want to do it. Some people want to go straight downtown with their mates that are their age. They don't want to hang around with 35 year old me and I'm actually 33. I've, I've ever shot that. But, you know, they, they, they don't want to do that. And, and some, some don't want to go out and drink at all. Some people, you know, that's fine. So we need to find ways that we can marry up everything. And again, I think we've, we've adopted a, a bit of a less is more approach. We've kind of put four like big socials in the calendar, which are like, I guess Christmas would be one of them and the season would be one of them and then. And those will be like some sort of themed socials. But also beyond that, we've got we've done stuff like um, we're now having food on a Tuesday night at the club and table tennis tournament. So I need to finish at 8.20, shorten the session, boys get in, have some food, play some table tennis. And again, we're getting some really good stuff out of that. Um, not being afraid to say, actually, we're not, we're not, we're not training tonight. We're, we're going to go and do something else. We're going to go. We've been to... We've been to gyms in Bristol. We've gone, actually, we're just going to get our feet and we're going to go to a gym and we're going to do some, you know, we're going to have an S&C coach take us. Um, we've been, yeah, we've been different locations. When I was at Ave something we used to do quite a lot is, you know, we'd train on the beach, we'd go for swim at Clevedon, we'd, we'd go different places and just get away from the same, you know, what becomes that kind of mundane Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday existence sometimes, we just try and mix it up. And I think, just being proactive in that and listening to what your players want to do as well. You know, don't listen too much because I'll probably say they don't want to train any Tuesday, Thursday. You'd be, be going to restaurants twice a week. Um,
1: also we're now a social club. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, we're,
0: we're, just a really good social club. <laughs> we've, we've got um, the backs. The backs have got a cake club now, which I would I'd like to say I'm not benefiting from, but actually the last few weeks I've had a piece of cake. So, it's, um, but if, you know, if, if they score a first phase try. Then, then they're, in cake, they're bringing cakes in, and you know we've we scored two the last two weeks, and there's been cakes, so it's you know it's great, and the boys love it. And I think we scored last week, and the first shout was cake club. <laughs> so I mean that's great to see. Um, but just yeah, just things that are gonna. It doesn't have to be in the pub in the club ten pints. It, it can just it's just got to be a way to get people together, isn't it? And you know. Changing up training does every Tuesday and Thursday need to look the same? Should it? I don't, I don't. I don't. think so. It might be that you know you get the football out and and you just have some fun with it, and I think that's that's really really important. Um, I guess not taking it too seriously is the key thing because you know how many how many people coach how many people listen to this coach in the Premiership. I mean, a small small majority. If you're not coached in the Premiership, then there's definitely room to there's definitely room to have a bit more fun, I would suggest. And even
1: if you're coaching in the Premiership, there's probably some room to have more fun as well. You... Yeah. Um, I th- and, and clear, there's been some really good examples of that, hasn't there? You know, the Sarri's boys, the Quinn's boys, like there's some of the stuff they do in terms of those team building trips and that type of stuff are, are clearly, you know, they can afford to do that because they've got them as a full-time group and they've got a lot of cash. But actually, what can we do, as you say, like as, as community clubs to still engage with those types of processes and things. I, I think you're giving some great answers there, mate. So appreciate that. Yeah I think you could look at it a few different ways, couldn't you? Like is it, it's gonna benefit it's gonna benefit your bar? You're gonna
0: keep more people in the club. Um, like we had a we had a touch tournament and I think seven seventy eight or seventy some 70 something players were available and they all bought girlfriends and wives and kids and things like that. So if everyone has a pint there that's that's quite a lot of money made. But yeah, it's, you could also look at it. I mean, if you are looking at in, increasing performance, it's not going to do that any harm either. Is it having players that actually want to be together on a Saturday and get on and you know spend time together? I, I, I think we can we can find lots of examples of where that's been successful for teams. So yeah, Thank there's two really different ways to look at it.
1: Definitely just one last question like how hard did you have to fight to get in your contract the the model pictures every week because i'm missing the trick there like all i see <laughs> is just outstanding photos of you posing like you don't know the cameras there but you probably do right, so it's, like, i
0: tell it, you, it's, it's difficult breathing in for three hours a week every week it's um you no know, again i mean that probably relates to the last question the club um have been really really kind of proactive and forward thinking and We've got a guy, Andy Watts, media, he's incredible. Um, He runs all of our social media accounts. And actually, our reach on social media has increased. And at the moment, our player base has increased and the people that are coming to watch us has increased. So it may look like shameless self-promotion, and on my part, it definitely is. But for the club, in terms of what the club want to do, that's kind of the the five-year plan the new committee have got. It's about increasing reach and um Dings Crusaders do it awesome you know John White does that awesome for um in Bristol as well and obviously Bristol Rugby Bristol Bears sorry and Tom Tainton and those guys do it amazingly as well so you know I, I think it's just be again being a little bit forward thinking um I probably don't need to share as much as I do but it's nice isn't it I've just had just started wearing glasses so that's a that makes me look slightly more intelligent as well in the pictures I guess
1: <laughs> I, I did hear a rumor that you have uh editorial rights as well so you won't let anything go out unless it you know it's got to make you look good but
0: well, i done that the other day actually uh, i i did crop the, the the belly a little bit and watsy put the original photo up so spin
1: him off disciplinary
0: that well, nice. is i have
1: spoke to him there were some choice words exchanged <laughs> what court sessions are for mate get him in in front of the judge he won't want to come on the coach now. (laughs) oh mate I've loved this this has been absolutely fantastic and I just yeah hopefully loads and loads of stuff uh, for coaches listening to think about and take away and um, yeah and just kind of engage with so uh, really appreciate your time thank you very much thank you. Uh, Cheers, man. Uh, absolute pleasure uh, to those listening we hope you enjoyed the episode thanks again to Dan for his time uh, to a really really great discussion um, links to any content that is kind of floating around this week will go on the blurb on Rugby Coach Weekly as it always does uh, i like to thank you for listening wish you all the best and go well